Are you one of the many Amazon sellers that think that China is the only game in town for sourcing your products? Listen in as I speak with an expert on sourcing in India who will explain why that's not at all the case. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And speaking of world, we are going to be talking about a country in the world that we have not talked about before, and that is India. So joining me today is Megla. Megla, how's it going? It's going great, Bradley. Thanks a lot for having me. No problem. What time is it over there right now? It is 5.40 p.m. (laughs) 5.40 p.m. It is 2.30 or 2.40 in the morning here. So if I fall asleep, please just pick up your voice and then I'll wake up. I will wake up. Anyways, you actually just got back from a, a, a trip to India, right? That's right. We just got back last week. That's awesome. So where you are now, not not much time difference though, right? From India. So no jet lag for you? No, no, no jet lag. It's about, I'm based in Singapore and India is about two and a half hours behind Singapore. So that's manageable. Okay. So not, not too bad. Yeah. Now, before we get into that, I do want to talk about India. That's one of the countries I've never been to even for vacation, let alone sourcing or things like that. But I wanted to talk, what I always start off with is is what I call the origin story of my guests because- we have so many different people from all walks of life and somehow they, they get to the e-commerce world. So were you born in India or Singapore or where were you born? Yeah, I was born in India. I studied in India, in Delhi specifically, which is the capital of India. And then I moved out of India in 2003. Um, I worked in the Philippines for three years and then I moved to China. I lived there for about nine years and I've been in Singapore for about four years now. So, so what's your education? You said you, you went to school in India, you said, right? Yes, yes, that's right. I did my graduation. What, what was there. your like focus, your educational focus in, the, in university? That was sociology. <laughs> okay, that's why I love it. I've never had a guess, I don't think, that is sociology major. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. So b- being a sociology major, what was your career goal at that time? So actually my career goal was to be a journalist, and um, I, I, you know, took up sociology because I wanted to go into a good university and I tried to get into a journalism course, but I couldn't get through. Um, so, you know, I just did sociology um, just to get a degree, basically. It wasn't something that I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. But then after I graduated, I uh, got a job in a newspaper. Then I worked for about three years. In, in a newspaper doing, uh, you know, writing stories and, and news articles and uh, doing a lot of, uh, you know, undercover reporting as well. <laughs> Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Did you do any big exposés? I did. I did. You know, at that time, uh, VOIP was not legal, you know, like voiceover IP. So because there was all these okay. big telecom companies that were, you know, that were very threatened by VOIP. So there was this one small, tiny company that was offering VOIP, um, you know, cards, these calling cards or something. And uh, that was not legal at that time. And so I went to them and I, and we did a story about that. And, um, you know, I went to their office and talked to them as if, oh, this is so revolutionary and this is like really good and this is amazing. And then we came back and we wrote a very, very negative story, (laughs) like how this company is just, you know, like breaking the law and breaking the rules. 
And then I got a threatening call from them <laughs> the next day when they saw the story. Undercover reporter. That's exciting. <laughs> that, that reminds me of like the movies or something. So then that's why you escaped to the Philippines <laughs> or how did you go to the Philippines? No. And then what happened was one of the people that I was working with in this organization, they left and they were, started working with Global Sources. And so um, then an opportunity opened up in Global Sources for India Bureau Chief. So in the editorial team of Global Sources uh, in India. So then I applied for that job. It seemed interesting. And then I got through. I worked in India for Global Sources for about three years. And uh, then there was this opening in the Manila office. Global Sources had a really big Manila office at that time with about, you know, 300 people over there. Uh, this was 2003. So then I moved there, uh, started doing uh, rip sourcing. 2003? Yeah, 2003. That's right. Well, what, when you were 10 years old? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's going on here? I'm old, Bradley. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Child labor in the Philippines. Yeah, I'm half Filipino. You're, you're, you're giving a, us a bad name oh, here. But... Okay. Yeah, I love the Philippines. I love Filipino people. <laughs> Awesome. I love Filipino food. You, you Do you love Filipino food too? Lumpia? Yeah, I do. Adobo? Adobo chicken. Pancit. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So you're in the Philippines helping out with Global Sources. Now that, that's a very familiar company to me, but real briefly, can you just explain what Global Sources is for those who maybe have not heard of it? Absolutely. So Global Sources is a B2B sourcing platform and they have a supplier directory where you can search for suppliers in China and Asia if you want to you know, source from these suppliers, kind of similar to Alibaba. And they also host sourcing trade shows um, in Hong Kong, similar to Canton Fair, but you know, not uh, on a smaller scale. So it's basically a platform to help overseas importers find and meet suppliers in China and Asia. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've been to that show in Hong Kong, like... Back in the day, like probably four or five times. And that was a, a, a real good show that that I would go to put on by Global Sources. Now, yeah. you started working in, in the Philippines then. And then what what took you away from the Philippines? So I was in the Philippines and then um, so I was travel. I started traveling to China at that time because we were doing doing these uh, research reports. Uh, we used to visit factories in China and then write about how products are manufactured uh, for exports in China. And that's how I got a good understanding of uh you know, how the export industry works, how manufacturing works, and what are the challenges that importers face when they source from China. And uh, like, I had a team of market analysts in China who used to, you know, work for me. We used to travel to factories and far off places together. Um, and then in 2006, you know, there was a lot more focus in China and, and uh, the company Global Sources was expanding their operations in mainland China. They set up a large office in Shenzhen, and they moved a lot of people to China, you know, from various locations. And so I was one of the people, you know, who, who was moved and I, uh, like, I like a good adventure. <laughs> so I was, I was married at that time. Obviously and, with some of your career choices. There. Yeah. <laughs> so I was married at that time and, you know, it was a good opportunity for my husband too, because, uh, he, he was interested in starting some sort of a trade business, uh, between China and India. So then we decided, you know, to move to China and then we lived there for about nine years where I continued to do the sourcing reports. And then I moved into other departments of the company. I was doing social media. Uh, I was man managing their magazines. Um, I was doing, you know, influencer marketing and all of that stuff. And then in uh, around 2000 and 
2015, I moved to Singapore and that was more for personal reasons because my son was growing up, he was going to start school and it's very difficult to find good schools and education in China um, because, you know, the local schools are not an option. They're all in Chinese. And then the international schools are really, really expensive in Shenzhen and other major cities in China. So then, you know, we decided um, to move to Singapore because education is more is, is much better here. There are more options. And so Global Sources had an office in Singapore at that time, and I asked to be transferred. And, you know, they they kindly agreed. So that's how, how I ended up in Singapore. <laughs> and uh, ah, OK. Yeah. And then in 2015 or so, um, there was an increase in the number of e-commerce sellers who started, you know, sourcing from China and um, and Asia because they were uh, Amazon was gaining momentum and more people were trying to build their private label brands. And uh, there were more Amazon sellers coming to Global Sources trade shows and also to to the website to source products. But what we realized was that this was a growing buyer segment, but not many people were really familiar or aware of Global Sources as an option. Most people knew about Alibaba because it was so big and famous and huge. Even though uh, Global Sources was established way before Alibaba, you know, in 1971, um, but most people were just, you know, sourcing from Alibaba. And so that's when we, um, I mean, that's when Global Sources decided to engage with this community. And one of the things that they decided to do was to start a conference in Hong Kong for e-commerce sellers. And um, I was the one who, you know, helped launch that conference in April of 2016. And that's how my journey with e-commerce sellers and Amazon sellers started. And I've been hosting that conference twice a year every April and October in Hong Kong. So we just concluded the eighth conference uh, just yesterday, in fact. <laughs> oh, okay. So when you say conference, is that include the, the trade show and the, 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 I don't know what you, I mean, what, what we traditionally would say conference or, or the conference and trade show are kind of separate or how does that work? Yeah. So it's a conference, you know, like the traditional type of conference where you have speakers and they, they do sp- speeches and presentations and workshops. So the difference is that this conference is co-located with the trade shows. So the conference is held on the second floor of the venue and then the trade show is on the ground floor. So the advantage is that, you know, you come to the conference, you listen to all of these speeches, learn all about sourcing and uh, and also selling on Amazon. And then at the same time, you know, in the afternoon, we have about three hours for people to walk the show floor and meet with suppliers. So it's it's a conference. And it's co-located with the trade show. Yeah, ah, that's okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's probably why I yeah. never got to, I never realized there was a conference. And like I said, I went to what I thought was a conference, but I guess it was the trade show part that I was going to where all the booths are and things like that. But that's um, right. I've been missing yeah. out all these years on the conference part. So we were probably there at the same building, but you were on the second floor and I was on the first, I guess. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just to continue the story a little bit. So in June, I left Global Sources and I started uh, my own entrepreneurial you know, venture. Uh, I'm still working for Global Sources as a consultant. I'm managing the Global Sources Summit, you know, the conference for them, which is why I was in Hong Kong. But my main focus is now on this sourcing trip uh, to India that we're going to be talking about today. Cool. Okay. So, you know, obviously because of, you know, you're born and raised there, you have a lot of ties, you know, to India, but before Global sources. Did you work in 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 any industry where you had done manufacturing or importing, or 
or anything, or was Global Sources kind of your first venture into that side of manufacturing in India? Yeah, Global Sources was my first venture. And um, so in 2000, in the year 2000, I started working with Global Sources and I was there for three years. And again, I, I was working for the editorial department. Uh, we used to write magazine and uh, web online reports on how products are manufactured. And uh, I we had a team over there and I used to basically manage the team of writers. And, um, you know, that's how, again, I, I, I used to visit factories. I used to visit, uh, you know, production centers in India where uh, factories of a certain product category are, um, you know, concentrated. And again, that's how I got an understanding of where, what product is manufactured and, and what the manufacturing process is, what the prices are, what the quality is of different products. Okay. Now, the reason why I, I, I wanted to have you on here, I, I honestly didn't know you were an investigative reporter. If I knew that, I absolutely would have been like, hey, we got to hear that story. But um, <laughs> is because a lot of sellers nowadays are, are worried about manufacturing in China. You know, China, by all means, still is the go-to place regardless of whatever is happening, regardless of price increases, regardless of tariffs, et cetera. I mean, China has, you know, some of the best quality, the most experienced factories and, and ease of finding products due to the different trade shows and, and marketplaces, et cetera. However, you know, the last year, two years, you know, people are getting a little bit more worried due to tariffs, due to increasing wage, wage prices in China. And so it has some sellers, you know, looking into other places. And one of the places I think, in my opinion, that that's kind of maybe benefited from people looking elsewhere other than China is, is India. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about India as a a source for manufacturing and kind of like to get your, your insight into it. So first of all, l let me just ask the most basic of questions that I'm sure our listeners have is how does price kind of compare to manufacturing in China? Okay. So, um, there's no straight answer to this. Let me try to explain the, you know, scenario over there. So labor price, labor cost is cheaper than in China. Um, so, for example, if you are manufacturing, let's say, uh, a product that is exactly the same uh, with the same materials and the materials are sourced locally in each country, China and India, um, the price in India would be lower simply because the labor cost is lower. Um, however, not all materials are uh, available in India and therefore, you know, only certain product categories are competitively um, you know, manufactured in India. For example, um, cotton is a very big, uh, you know, material that is available in India. India is one of the, is the second largest producer of cotton in the world. So if there's anything related to cotton, uh, it's, it's very competitive to source it in India and you'll definitely find lower prices, you know, in some cases, um, than China. However, if it's something that's made from, you know, polyester or nylon or ma any other man-made material, India is not a good sourcing um, market for that because those products would need to be imported from China or another place. Um, similarly, you know, there's leather products. So again, most of the um, products made out of leather are from cow or buffalo leather, which is, you know, higher end than, than pig leather. So most products in China 
they're made out of pig leather, so they are cheaper. Whereas in 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 India, they're handmade and uh, they're made out of cow and buffalo leather. Therefore, they're more expensive. Um, then there are other things like, you know, home decor items, for example. A lot of the products are handcrafted, which is why they are more expensive than China, because um, most of the products in China are mass produced on machines. Um, but ha- in India, most products are handmade and handcrafted, which is why their prices are you know, more expensive, but they're also more premium, more high value, more, uh, you know, luxurious kind of products. Does that make okay. sense? Interesting. Yeah. So what, what, what about though? I mean, you, you talked about like fabrics, but what about just general, I mean, things like things made of wood or plastic or, or, or steel or, or things like that, as opposed to, to apparel or, or, you know, different, you know, cotton, polyester, et cetera. Are those readily available in in India? Yes. Yeah, so wood is um, a category that is available. Um, so you'll find things like furniture um, or, you know, home decor items, jewelry boxes, those kinds of things. So wood is pretty good. And you'll there are all kinds of wood, soft wood, hard wood. Um, so wood is a very competitive uh, category to source from India for sure. And then the other thing is eco-friendly products is actually very, very popular nowadays and growing very fast. In fact, uh, we saw a lot of factories uh, at the fair producing very innovative eco-friendly products. For example, there was this one factory that was producing fabric out of PET material, which is, you know, basically your water bottles, your disposable mineral water bottles. So they were recycling that, uh, turning that into fiber and then weaving fabric out of it and making rugs and, you know, things like that out of the, out of the, out of PET bottles then there were things like, uh, you know, milk cartons. They are recycled and made into coasters and disposable plates and things like that. And then there are, uh, you know, sugarcane waste is being used to make disposable plates and cutlery. Uh, there's a lot of wood that's being used for disposable cutlery as well. In fact, in Delhi, you know, in the McDonald's, they don't use plastic spoons. They use wooden spoons. So India as a country has... Um, is taking initiatives to become more eco-friendly. A lot of the bigger cities have actually now banned the use of single-use plastic bags and they are pushing the use of, uh, you know, like fabric bags or jute bags or more eco-friendly, you know, varieties instead of plastic. So yeah, that's another big category that we saw this time, eco-friendly products. Okay, interesting. Now, back in the day, you know, 30, 40 years ago, made in China kind of had a bad stigma, you know, attached to it. But, you know, now, as everybody knows, you know, made in China is actually very good because these, these factories have so much experience and they're very good at what they do. They're very efficient and, and they're able to make very high quality, you know, products. What about like just comparing apples to apples, the quality in India of, you know, I would assume that maybe on some of those, you know, textile based things that, they have more experience on the quality might be even better than China, but would some of these other, other kind of, you know, different categories of products, maybe the, the quality is a little bit less. Is it on par or how does the quality compare just overall India to China? Yeah. So overall, the quality is really, really, really good. And, uh, you know, ask anyone who was on the trip with us. In fact, Tim Jordan and I did a Facebook live video from the, from the show And this is one of the things that he said that, 
you know, booth after booth after booth, you'll see really, really high quality products. And the reason for that is the exhibitors at the fair were export focused suppliers. So in India, there are, you know, two main kinds of suppliers. One group focuses uh, entirely on exports. And those are the companies that have the high quality products and they understand the requirements and regulations of overseas markets. And then there are other companies that cater to the domestic market. And so if you source from a company that does not have export experience, the quality will be terrible and you will not get good service at all. But if you source from, you know, professional export focused suppliers, the quality will be really good. Of course, this is, um, you know, not to say that you'll always get good quality products. Uh, You have to keep in mind that most of the products are handmade. Sometimes there are variations, you know, there can be some variations even within one order. There can be slight variations from one product to the other. And, um, you know, you still have to do your pre-inspection QC and, you know, communicate regularly with the manufacturer to make sure that your specifications are clearly communicated to them and, you know, monitor quality just as you would when you're sourcing from China. But, um, yeah, I mean, once you've got all of that in place, the quality is really good and you'll be you'll be really happy with the quality. Yeah, definitely. Okay, interesting. Now, another question I had, let's just say, well, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the different fairs and uh, and I know you uh, you help people over there too, you know, with different trips, but let's say somebody doesn't have the budget to to travel to to India, you know, to go visit factories, et cetera. A lot of people don't go to China, you know, probably what 95%, if not more of sellers who manufacture in China probably have never even set foot in China. The way that they found their products was maybe through uh, Alibaba or, or maybe even global sources, you know, but what about for India, for the people who can't afford to go to India, what kind of online marketplaces or sources can they go to, to find a factory for their product in India? Okay. So I would say that there are four options available. One is just do a Google search. A lot of the websites have, a lot of the companies have their own websites. So just search for, you know, depending on the product that you're looking for, uh, like water bottle manufacturer India, and you'll definitely come across, you know, some of the more export focused suppliers because they tend to have the more professional websites that rank, uh, you know, on Google and all. Um, The other option is Alibaba, in fact, Um, Alibaba does have a lot of suppliers from India. So when you do a search for uh, any product on Alibaba, use the supplier location filter to, um, to, to filter suppliers from India, right? So that's another option. And then similarly, Global Sources also has some suppliers from India. In fact, both Alibaba and Global Sources have offices in India. They have sales teams and they are actively recruiting, uh, you know, uh, suppliers, to, for their websites uh, from India. And then uh, some of these, um, there are uh, export promotion councils for certain categories. For example, uh, for handicrafts, you know, um, there's the um, export promotion council for handicrafts. That's in fact the organization that uh, that organizes the fair that we had gone to. But, um, you know, they have a website and they have lists of suppliers that are registered with with the council. So you can always reach out to the council and ask for supplier lists. Similarly, there's a leather council, there's a textile council. So these are government organizations and you can reach out to them to get supplier lists. Response may be slow sometimes because it is a government organization. Also the exhibitors at this fair that we attended, the Indian Handicrafts and Gifts Fair in Delhi, 
the exhibitor list is actually available online. So you could, you know, also download the exhibitor list for, for that fair. And of course, all of the exhibitors at the fair are export focused suppliers. So yeah, those are some of the ways. Okay. And then you can also look for a sourcing agent. You know, there are a lot of sourcing agents uh, from India and they're also now increasingly catering to the needs of Amazon sellers. They understand uh, that Amazon sellers source slightly differently from regular importers. So, you know, you can definitely reach out to any sourcing agent and um, ask them to help you with sourcing. That was actually going to be my, my next question. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's always debate when we talk about China, like, hey, should I go directly to a factory or should I use a trading company? Should I use sourcing agents? Uh, is there anything, one that you should never do or one that you should always do as far as, as those three options go? Or, or pretty much you should be okay to go whether you're going directly to a factory, whether you're using a sourcing agent or whether you're using a trading company? Yeah, so I think it totally depends on what product you're sourcing. Um, and also how much bandwidth you yourself have to invest in, uh, you know, the sourcing process. Cause most of us are, you know, most of the Amazon sellers and all, we're just mostly very, uh, lean teams, right? I mean, it's, it's mostly like a one person, uh, operation that we have. So I think, you know, you have to decide how much time you want to spend, um, finding suppliers or, you know, negotiating with suppliers, or do you want to, um, handle let someone else handle that, you know, like it's, it's similar to, let's say your PPC, do you want to do it yourself or do you want to let someone else who specializes in PPC manage that? So that's one consideration. I think the other consideration is the type of product that you are sourcing. So for example, if it's a very standard product that doesn't have a lot of uh, design elements or doesn't have a lot of variations, it's a very simple product that just needs to be, um, you know, produced repeatedly Uh, and the same product needs to be produced repeatedly without many changes, then you can source directly from a factory. I don't think you need a sourcing agent for that. All right. Now, on the flip side, you know, that's talking about ordering product remotely or using sourcing agents, trading companies. If somebody wanted to go directly, what are the, the major like conferences or markets in India that you would suggest people go to? Like, for example, of course, in China, you know, people talk about the Canton Fair or Yiwu or, you know, the global sources, but what's like the Canton Fair and Yiwu of India? Okay. So there's currently no Yiwu in India, (laughs) but there is a Canton Fair. So the Canton Fair of India is uh, this fair in Delhi that we went to. It's called the Indian Handicrafts and Gifts Fair. There are about 4,000 exhibitors at the fair. Uh, It's been held since, um, I don't know, for like 15, 20 years now. And um, most uh, exhibitors, as I mentioned, are export focused uh, suppliers, manufacturers, and attendees of the fair are basically overseas importers. Uh, and the fair is not open to the local public. Locals are only allowed if they actually represent, um, you know, an importer or if they are a buying agency. But it's not a B two C fair, and uh, you know, locals are not allowed. Similar to Canton Fair, so you'll see a lot of people, you know, importers from the U.S. and uh, Europe, Australia, that have their own brands, you know, maybe brick and mortar stores or, or their own brands and, and they're uh, attending the fair to source products. for. Them. And increasingly, we're seeing more Amazon sellers. In fact, this time, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of Amazon sellers there. Of course, we had our group and then other people who found out about the fair 
especially from our Facebook group, you know, they went on their own as well. Okay. Now, just in general, you know, in China, sometimes it, it's hard to to find people at factories who who speak English, but but I would assume the case is different in India. Would that be a correct assessment that more obviously it's easier to communicate in India in English as it is in China? It's very, very easy to communicate. In fact, at the fair, every factory, every booth uh, had people speaking in English. I mean, all the owners speak English. Um, you know, they are in India is a very diverse country. There are 1 billion people. There are all types of people in the country. There are, you know, people who are educated in like overseas and they come back, set up businesses. And of course there are, you know, people who live in the villages and they're, um, you know, generally not that well educated, but the people who run the factories and all, they're mostly well educated, speak English, um, you know, studied overseas. There are a lot of family run businesses in India. So you'll find that, um, you know, they've been doing the same thing for like two or three generations. And, uh, you know, now the younger generation is, is kind of taking over. So yeah, English is not a problem at all. Communication, in fact, is, is very easy. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Now, what about culturally and, and negotiation wise, you know, every country has its own, I don't know if the word is idiosyncrasies or something, you know, you talk about China, You've got to be able to, to, to really barter and be prepared. They, they tell you, be prepared to have to walk away so you can get the better price. And, and, you know, in some countries there might be some thing culturally like, Hey, don't use the left hand in order to shake hands or make sure to remove shoes when you enter in a place. Or, I mean, there, there's all kind. every country has different things. What would you say are some of the main things that people should know when dealing with Indian businesses as far as culture or negotiation goes that may be different from what they're used to? Absolutely. So some of the things to keep in mind is, first of all, relationships are really, really important. And this is similar to, you know, what it's like in China. You've got to develop a relationship and respect with your supplier. Um, it's even more important in India. And once you develop the relationship, you'll find that they, you know, they'll trust you more. They'll give you better payment terms. They'll even, um, you know, you won't have to pay for samples. They might even, um, you know, prioritize your orders and, um, you know, they'll just treat you special, you know, once you develop a relationship and, and uh, you know, you have that trust. You know, they say that in China, uh, sourcing from China is, is a science, whereas sourcing from India is like an art. All right. Excellent tips there. Speaking of tips. I want to take this moment to do this little feature that we, that we do. You probably don't know about it, but I call it now you living three years in Philippines might know that sometimes when Filipinos call each other, they say, you know, so that actually is spelled T S T or that's how I spell it. So that's, that's what is what I call the 30 second tip. Mm -hmm. So I want you to give me a 30 second tip. It doesn't, it can be about sourcing in India. It could be about, sourcing in China. It could be about conferences. I mean, you, you have a lot of experience. It could be about undercover reporting. I mean, just give me what is your, what is Megla's 30 second tip for our listeners? Okay. So my 30 second tip is diversify, diversify your sourcing, diversify your markets, diversify your business. Do not depend on one sourcing market, on one uh, marketplace, on one business to generate uh, revenue for you. Whatever you do, diversify, because it's really very risky to depend on just one 
um, you know, source of income or one source for your products. I think that's my biggest tip for Amazon sellers. Diversify. Excellent. Excellent. Love it. Now you, you, you have a lot, you, you work with a lot of sellers on this last trip you did. And just in general, you've seen a lot of people using helium 10. So, you know, you're in a different part of the world. You're going back and forth between Singapore and India. How do sellers where you're there in Singapore, when you go to China, in India, how do you see sellers using helium 10 in that, in that part of the world? Everyone loves helium 10. <laughs> I'm actually trying to build a community of Amazon sellers over here in Singapore and Asia. And uh, we have meetups. And, you know, Tim Jordan was actually at one of our meetups a couple of months ago. And everyone uses helium 10 over here. <laughs> so we love the, Yeah, love we it. love helium 10. All right. Now, before we go, you had... Uh, reference, you know, you are, you do a trip, a sourcing trip to India. If some of our listeners are kind of reluctant to maybe try sourcing online or finding factories online and they're like, Hey, you know what? We, we feel more comfortable going on a trip. How can they find out more about the, the trips that, that you organize in, and so that they can be a part of that? Yeah. So the trip is called India sourcing trip and they can go to indiasourcingtrip.com to get all of the information. Uh, the next trip is scheduled for April 2020, 13th to the 19th. Oh, so guys, make sure to check out that that website to find out more information about that trip. Now, people just want to reach out to you directly, ask you questions about India or or Singapore or investigative reporting. <laughs> uh, how can they find you? So there are two ways. One is Facebook. Just search for me on Facebook um, and, you know, send me a message or send me a friend request. Or you can send me an email at info at indiasourcingtrip.com. Awesome. Well, Megla, if, if I go to uh, India, I hope that you will be my tour guide mm -hmm. and, and take me to the best non-bread places and chicken curry and all, all these, all this food that I can't eat right now since I'm trying to fast today. So it's making me hungry, <laughs> but, uh, hope you can take me to all those places. And of course, you know, we'll do some work too, some sourcing and things like that. Sound good. Sounds pe perfect. Yeah. I would love for you to come Bradley. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Well, have a, have a great rest of your, what is it? Evening over there. And I'll have a great rest of my middle of the night over here. <laughs> yes. Enjoy. Thanks a lot for having <laughs> me, Bradley. All right. We'll see you later. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.